And welcome on in, everybody, to the Check Your Brain podcast. Wherever you are listening to this, whether it's for free, wherever you get your finer podcasts, or on Patreon at five bucks a month at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. Wasn't going to put this one out here for free, but I had a guest cancellation at the last minute, and I need a podcast for Wednesday, so here you go. Hope you enjoy it. How's it going, everybody? <clears throat> My name is Tony Mazer. Again, thank you for uh, listening and subscribing. If you are just subscribed for free and you get your podcast every Wednesday coming out in the middle of the night, so wherever you are listening to it, you can wake up and it'll be in your podcast queue. Unless you work overnights, then it's probably halfway through your shift. So, But I uh, thank you for listening and uh, being a part of this and listening to a podcast that I have just entitled Clown World, Hong Kong Clown World. So... What I'm going to do in this podcast, I have a lot of clips to play demonstrating what kind of clown world we're in. But I'm going to start with a little monologue. I'm not going to take too long when I talk about this because I'm somebody that I'm in my mid-30s. I do comedy. I've done radio for a while. I've been around uh, different lifestyles. I've been around different people of all kinds of backgrounds, no matter what kind of job or what situation or friend group or acquaintance group that I've been around. And it, it just seems to me that we really are trending in this clown world of what's up is down, down is up. You know, yellow is, uh, yellow is actually purple and uh, green is actually orange. And you're just going, wow, we are we, you know, it's the old two plus two equals five. That it doesn't have. Why does two plus two have to equal four? It can mean it could be five. It could be three thousand if we wanted to. Uh, we're taking societal norms, turning them upside down. Things that have worked for centuries because we decide that you know in the last couple of years that they're racist, they're xenophobic, they're transphobic, they're homophobic, they're this phobic and that ist, and it's. Are we a better country for it? Are we a better society because we're doing all this? I, I, I'm i going to play a whole episode proving that probably not. And you're going to say, Tony, what are you, a dinosaur? What do you want it to be in the 50s again? I'm not saying the 50s. I'm saying we need to have sensibility. I am a, you know, when you talk about the trans issue, for example, I've been very consistent on this for several years, especially on this podcast, too. I am a sexual libertarian in that you, you're a guy who likes a woman, heterosexual, dating, marriage, or hookup culture, whatever you, whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, I, I can have my opinions on certain things, but for the most part, if you are two consenting adults over the age of 18, do whatever the hell you want. I don't care. Uh, if you're a guy and you're hooking up with guys, like singular or plural. If you're going to piss parties, which is where a lot of monkeypox was spreading throughout the summer, is that it wasn't just... Monkeypox wasn't two gay men, consenting gay men who got together and made love. No, it was a gay man who had upwards of, <clears throat> I think they said between 13 and 25 sexual partners in a weekend. 
There's a lot of people who don't have 13 sexual partners in their entire entire life. There's some that are having them in a weekend, and then they wonder why monkeypox was spreading over the summer. But again, you're an adult. You're allowed to do that. It's when you start indoctrinating and impacting the children is where I have the issue and where a lot of people are having the issue. And it's about time people are starting to speak up. And it's not just conservatives. I'm not, uh, this isn't a political thing. This is a cultural battle that is going on in this country. It's happening in the schools. And at some point, people need to really speak out about it. Now, I'm broadcasting from uh, the, the great state, the Buckeye state of Ohio. Um, well, something's playing in the background there, sorry. Um, but I'm broadcasting from Ohio, and we have a Senate race between J.D. Vance, who has been a guest on this podcast a couple of times, and Tim Ryan, who I've interviewed in my radio days. And Tim Ryan is running a pretty pretty feckless campaign, to be honest. He's a Democrat. He's one of those, he's like a Joe Biden type of Democrat, where he's a guy that wherever the party is, that's where he is. He's just middle of the road. He makes it seem like he has these theatrics on the Senate or on the the House floor where he's like, and he's he's screaming and yelling because it's a clip that'll go viral and you'll have a bunch of lefties go, hey, I like that Tim Ryan. He's like, hey, you know, I'm from uh, Youngstown, Ohio. And this is what, uh, almost a little demon there I was going for (laughs) from Fast Times. But Tim Ryan really has no platforms. In fact, his whole area went for Trump in 2016 and 2020. And I'm talking about Youngstown, the Mahoning Valley, a long, long decades, maybe centuries long, Democrat stranglehold and stronghold. These are union people. These are steel workers. They were auto workers. And they always, as soon as election time came up, it was usually you voted for the Democrat because the Democrat and the union was usually pretty hand in hand. And they said, uh-uh, not anymore. Not anymore. And they flipped. So Tim Ryan's entire area (laughs) decided, screw you, Tim Ryan. You've done nothing to really help us except say that you help the unions. We're going for Trump. And they did in 2016. They did in 2020. So here's Tim Ryan. Uh, This is just the other day was talking about what's going on in the schools. And you notice something that's popping up is they keep talking about the culture war. Now, I've talked about the culture war in that People to the right of Bernie Sanders have been losing cultural battles and wars for decades, going up basically 60 years since the sexual revolution, the summer of love. The cultural wars and the battles were always won by the progressives. And again, are we a better society for that? I don't think so. And now that there's some wins that are happening, I'm not saying the war is won, but battles are being won, as you saw last year in Virginia with Glenn Youngkin. And I I bring this up on my podcast all the time, so my Patreon subscribers are probably tired of me talking about this example. But I think the tide turned a lot in 2021, where you're having trans bathrooms, and people are uncomfortable, to the point where a, a boy who identified as a girl raped a girl in a bathroom and was able to kind of skate by and go to another school and did it at another school. And you couldn't do anything because you didn't want to look transphobic. And at the same time, Terry McAuliffe, who was running for good, the previous governor who was running for governor again, came right out with one of the quotes of the century, and I'm paraphrasing, saying that 
no, parents really don't have a say in what their kids should learn in school. That's up to the school and the teachers' unions. And a lot of parents, even Democrat parents, even blue areas like Loudoun County were like, uh-uh, not happening. No, you don't get, you don't get, a, the politicians and the teachers don't get a say in the curriculum. It should be up to the parents. And a lot of people flip to Glenn Youngkin, who is now the governor of Virginia. And you're seeing this pop up a lot from libs of TikTok and Chris Rufo and these, um, and Matt Walsh and others who are finally stick, standing up and saying something and going up against what they call the alphabet mafia. Well, now when you start to criticize it, now it means, oh, you're engaging in these petty culture wars. And that's what Tim Ryan was here saying. That we have to have honest conversations about. And we've got people who want to turn our schools when we should be focused on shop class and trauma-informed care and robust investments into joint vocational schools. They want to turn our schools into the next battleground in the culture wars. We can't let them. We can't let them. It's why can't why can't we? Why can't we talk about the cultural battle? It's funny he says that that hey why aren't we talking about shop class and why aren't we talking about uh, the things that matter? Yeah, I would love to get into talking about reading, writing, and arithmetic. You're the the party. You're the progressives who don't want to talk about that. Kids can't even write their own name. Test scores. I just talked about this on Monday's podcast. ACT scores are so low. Test scores all across the country are so low. Kids are graduating high school illiterate all over the country, especially in major blue cities, in urban cities. And what are we doing about it? What's going on? What are we doing about it? No, we're, we're learning about uh, hierarchies and hegemonies and patriarchy and uh, queer theory, even more than, than race theory. It's queer theory that's going on in these schools. And they're indoctrinating these kids as soon as they can. And again, I said on Monday's podcast, I would rather, they say, well, Tony, are you against indoctrination? Not exactly. I'm against indoctrination by non-parents. I think if you want to indoctrinate your kids in your values as a parent that you pass down to your kids, no matter how, you know, by different standards, it might seem insane to you, but I would rather that than have teachers and politicians and other pseudo-authority figures pass down their perceived values onto kids than their own parents. But some of these teachers' unions and these schools and the school boards feel that they own your students. They own the kids. You're just, you're just their landlord. It's like you're the RA. When they go back home, you're just the RA at a college dorm. But in reality, you're owned by the schools. You're owned by the government. That's what they're trying to tell you. So when people are pushing back, now it's, oh, they care about the culture war. You're darn right we do. Pardon my language. So this is going on. When, and I love this. The big thing when you talk about the, the insanity of the trans stuff, I saw John Oliver was talking about this the other day, was about the litter boxes in classrooms. He said, this isn't happening. This is, this is just a, this is like the 1980s and early 90s gay fear that was going on in, in schools, the homophobia. This is the same thing, but it's with transphobia. It's not happening. But at the same time, if it was happening, it's a good thing. Because if you do have a student who identifies as kitten and kitten self as their pronouns, Remember, there is not uh, a plural anymore. There is can be a singular if you want it to. Because, again, 
In clown world, you can change the language. And when you change the language, you change the culture. So here's an example of changing the language and the culture in classrooms. He's pregnant. How about this? <clears throat> so this is, uh, this is somewhere in uh, D.C. This is a preschool. Preschool. Remember when you were in preschool? Weren't you like four or five years old? Four or five years old, and we're going to start to confuse children at a young age. Listen to this as I take a sip before I read mm. of my beverage. Pregnancy announcement. This is an inbox to manatee teachers. Uh, from manatee teachers to manatee families. Hi, manatee families. We wanted to take an opportunity to share some exciting news with you, though you may have already noted Mr. Powell's growing belly. Mr. Powell's growing belly. Now, normally when we think of Mr. Powell having a growing belly, it's because Mr. Powell goes home after school and drives through McDonald's or goes to Taco Bell and spends $28 at Taco Bell. No, 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 no. No, that's, that, that's, that's from eating too much. No, 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 Mr. Powell, uh, Tristan is expecting a kiddo in mid-January. Of course, you may have some questions about what this looks like for the manatee class, so we wanted to share some facts, FAQs, uh, with some uh, with you as well. Parental leave. Tristan is hoping to teach through December and possibly into January, depending on baby's arrival. While he's off, we're using these pronouns, by the way. While he's off adjusting to being a new parent, the River School, blah, 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 whatever. They're going to find somebody else. Tristan's journey. Here's the new one. Again, we're telling this to parents to confuse preschool kids. Tristan's journey. Tristan will be a solo parent by choice. A pregnancy has been a, hope, uh, a hopeful plan for at least a decade, and Tristan is thrilled that it is going to be finally happening. Tristan will go by Abba, which is Hebrew for dad, and uses the pronouns he, him. It continues. Talking to the kids. Now, here's the thing. is, Let's see. Mr. Powell, uh, Tristan Powell, who I don't know the exact name. Doesn't matter. Talking to the kids. With preschool-age kids, we tend to wait to announce a pregnancy to the class until closer to the date since we don't want to create anxiety about a teacher being out. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, but when, when I was a kid, I didn't care how old I was. I was happy the teacher was out that day. <laughs> that said, you're welcome to chat with your child at home if you'd like. When we do chat as a class, we'll prepare the kids for Tristan's absence and explain the reason for age-appropriate ways. With kids who may have associations with pregnancy and a certain gender, such as only girls and moms can have babies, Tristan uses the language of, again, remember the language, changing the, changing the language. Tristan uses the language of, some boys have bodies that can have babies, and I have the kind that can have a baby. Isn't that cool? For older kids, manatee siblings perhaps, manatees depending on blah, 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 Tristan shares simply about the, his transgender identity by explaining, I am transgender, which means I was born in my grown-up... <clears throat> wait, 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 hang on. I am transgender. This is really small typing. I need, I need my cheetahs on today. Well, my glasses. I can't see, goddammit. Tristan shares simply about his transgender identity by explaining, I am transgender, which means when I was born, my grown-ups made a guess that I was a girl, but when I grew up, I told everyone that I'm actually a boy. You are welcome to mirror this language at home. If you'd like more resources and language about discussing trans and gender identity or explaining how pregnancy happens for curious kids, we're happy to share our recommendations, blah, blah, blah. So again, so 
Tristan's grown-ups, not parents, because that's, you know, that's also not gender-specific uh, language. The grown-ups decide, made a complete guess when having a baby and a newborn baby that does not have a penis and testicles, they just somehow made this guess out of thin air that, you know what, actually, you know what, let's, let's flip a coin. Heads girl, tails boy. Flip, up, landed on heads. I guess we're going to call this a girl. Yeah, they just made an, it just made an educated guess. That's what happens when you change the language. Now you're confusing children. So how did my, what we thought was a, I, I, I haven't seen the picture. This could be like a blatant, uh, like, uh, it took a little bit of testosterone and you have somewhat hairy chest or maybe like a little wispy beard. But you're just trying to confuse children. That's all it is. Mm. I think the whole genesis of this is to confuse kids, and that's part of this grooming situation. Whether they're grooming them to have sex with children, or they're grooming them to indoctrinate them in this radical ideology, I think the answer is yes to all of the above. I think it, that all of that is happening right now. Unbelievable that this is going on. Unbelievable. And of course, it's in D.C., and, and of course, people in the comments are like, well, it seems for a congratulations to him. Oh, what's wrong with that? It seems pretty thoughtful. No, no, there's a lot more that's going on here, but you don't want to, you don't want to mention it. You don't want to think about it. Unreal, unreal. Speaking of, by the way, speaking of uh, what's not appropriate for kids, because that's the big thing with, uh, nowadays is this, the drag shows, the uh, drag queen story time. Here's one. This is in Plano, Texas, where I have family that lives down there. And this is a drag queen that's in front of mainly a lot of liberal women. And there's a young girl right behind it. This girl can't be more than five years old. And... So what's going on here in this video that, uh, you know, I'm not going to show it. Eventually, I'm going to have possibilities where I'll record these podcasts and show videos that I'm and comment on them. But this is a drag queen who kind of looks like Mae West and is twerking in, in a drag brunch in Plano, Texas, to a song that says, My pussy good, my pussy sweet, my pussy good enough to eat, fuck me all night. And it's a little girl who's there. Right behind, as these progressive women are throwing dollar bills, and this 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 young girl is just like, "What is going on here?" And the, of course, the the moms are like, "No, this is this is wonderful. This is great. This is wonderful. What's wrong with this? What what are you transphobic? What are, what do you don't think drag queens should exist? That's the whole thing. Is that if you start opposing this, they start bringing up, "What do you think?" Trans people are, shouldn't exist. Never said that. I'm saying you want to make decisions with your body, and you, which are very radical to one individual, but to press this ideology on children four and five years old and con purposely confusing them is a real problem with me. It doesn't sit well with me, and I'm not even a parent. I would like to be a parent. We're trying to have kids right now, but there's a lot of parents. This isn't setting, sitting in well with them. And they're 
but they're afraid of being called TERFs. They're afraid of being called transphobes. And if they oppose this, then they could get fired from their jobs or uh, labeled something all over social media. It's unbelievable. And then, but it's not just happening. I mean, that was Plano, Texas. This isn't all California. This isn't New York and D.C. This is happening in the middle of the country, like, for example, in North Carolina at the Museum of Art. They are hosting a, uh, uh, let me see here. Artful Storytime. This is the North Carolina Museum of Art. Join us for a lively story time inspired by art. So why this story time? Because, again, it's about the language. Who, who goes to a story time? Who hears an author? It's usually a child hears a young, uh, has an author, and they read to the kids. I remember being in school back in the early 90s, and we would have speakers come by. Local authors come by our school and read a chapter, read the book from, like, you know, the, the puppy who lost his way. I'm using a Billy Madison example. We, that was normal. But now we've taken it to a level of the little drag queen that could. Because we're, again, trying to indoctrinate kids in this radical ideology. Again, I've said this before. You're an adult. You want to you go to drag shows. You want to dress in drag. You do it. But you're an adult. It's uh, drag is not appropriate for children. It's not. It's never been appropriate for children. All it is, if anything, drag is woman face. It's like black face for women. You notice all these drag performers that dress like women, they don't dress like a normal woman. They dress like a whore. They are wearing whore makeup. They put blush on. They, uh, the lipstick is way over the top. They put a padding for their butt and huge boobs, and everything's sexual. Every every name is like, uh, you know, uh, Randy something, or, uh, you know, horned up. It, it, they're all like weird puns on, sexual puns. And you're going to tell me that that's appropriate for a five-year-old. So listen here. Join us for a lively story time inspired by art at the North Carolina Museum of Art. Come, look, listen. I'm surprised they spelled come with an O. Come, look, listen, and move as we make connections with original works of art and children's books. Best for ages two and up with adult caregivers. This session is presented by our friends at Drag Queen Story Hour. Join featured reader Stormy Day. Wow, actually nothing sexual about that. Well, maybe there is. To read books that celebrate all wonderful ways, uh, uh, all the wonderful ways you are. Stormy is a daughter of Durham's House of Cox, C-O-X-X, the first drag family of Durham, North Carolina. As a queen, she always, where's the Oxford comma? She always strives to bring joy to her fans, the Stormy Chasers. Whether twirling and twisting like the wind on stage, showing her lightning-fast wit on the mic, or hosting Science with Stormy. Oh, I can't wait for that science. You're already denying science. Uh, Stormy is a, a maelstrom of passion, education, and looking good. As, as a DQSH queen, she is always ready to read the children and have a great time learning and laughing. Gender fluidity of childhood. Oh, my God. This is happening. This is happening. And they're trying to confuse the kids. That's It's happening all over the place. Confuse the kids, change the language, change the culture. That's what happens. And then these kids want to grow up and why they're acting like this. Yeah, I mean, look at my generation with millennials. I've told this story several times about my dad complaining 
in my school in the mid-90s, mid-90s, we're talking nearly 30 years ago, about why every book promotes feminism but doesn't have a strong male character. They said, half my son's class is boys, half are girls. That's fine. I don't care strong female characters. How about a little balance? How about we have a book about strong men, a, a, a boy overcoming difficulties of growing up or whatever situation becoming a man? No, we, ne we never had that. The only book we read where the male was the lead character was the Ryan White story, the hemophiliac who had AIDS, <laughs> who died at age 18. Um, I mean, yeah, strong character because he was able to fight through the adversity and everything like that, but not necessarily what we were thinking, especially when it comes to works of fiction. This has been going on. Then you wonder why every HR department has someone with blue hair and piercings all over their face and a tattoo on their neck. And they're the ones who, you know, uh, they ha have a say in whatever, you know, if you keep your job or not. It's um, really, really trickles down, really trickles down in the culture there. So let's, I'll move on as I'm, 25 minutes into this podcast here. Uh, let's talk about the politics of Clown World. So we already talked about the clowns of Clown World, which are drag queens and the trans stuff. Let's talk about another clown. Uh, let me bring this for example up uh, about Joe Biden, for example. Here's Herschel Walker, who's running for Senate in Georgia. And they were trying to, NBC was trying to ask him what they think is, he, Joe Biden has done well, or what's a positive about Joe Biden that he can mention? You are going to have to work with President Biden and yes. Democrats in order to get anything done. That's right. So let me ask you, can you name one thing that President Biden has done that you support? One thing that he's done that I support. Mm. <sighs> he eat a lot of ice cream. Is there anything policy-wise? Policy-wise that he's done that I... <laughs> he eats a lot of ice cream. How, how funny is that? I mean, Herschel Walker obviously has his flaws. Let's be honest here. Herschel Walker was a football player who played with Donald Trump, who's friends with Trump for nearly 40 years. Uh, we all know that. But it's funny, they always, the media actually came out. You want to talk about more clown world? Is it so funny because the clown world is so circular that it comes back and the, the press and some people don't realize that they're actually being the racists, where there are articles that are defending John Fetterman in Pennsylvania because, you know, he's a stroke victim and he can't speak properly. He can't think on his feet. He needs closed captioning and certain uh, linguistic devices in order for him to, you know, understand what a reporter is saying. He can't understand anything, but can't criticize that. But then there are several articles about how Herschel Walker doesn't understand the English language. Wait a second, so you're saying black guy no speak good? <laughs> Weird. Weird how that works. So Joe Biden, our uh, wonderful president, you want to talk about clown world, is that we have to pretend this guy's a, a good president, that he has his shit together. He doesn't, of course. Um, Biden said this uh, on Tuesday. <clears throat> Most families are focused on putting three meals on the table, taking care of their kids and paying their bills. Helping you do that is my job. And it's just a picture of him with a family taking a selfie. And uh, it almost looks like they're not even looking at the camera. It's like Joe's looking. Joe's actually looking at the camera because he's looking at the girls that are in the camera. But the girls are looking at another camera. It's kind of weird how that works. But funny he mentions that. So families are care about 
putting food on the table, taking care of their kids and paying the bills. Interesting, because it seems like uh, 0 for 3 there, 0 for 3, 3 strikeouts. That's, like, that's a total playoff Aaron Judge moment right there. Food prices are still soaring, and they're getting more expensive. Childcare costs are soaring during infl- due to inflation. And amid inflation, 32% of Americans are struggling to pay their bills. Good job, Joe. We're at the midterms right now. We're at the midterm election right now, which means you've been president for basically two years and things have gotten progressively worse and rapidly worse. Whew. But he's, he's, you know, we're focused on keeping the gas prices down. <clears throat> yeah, gas prices went down a couple of cents because we were siphoning from our own strategic oil reserves. And then they're going to go back up again because we're, we're not drilling in our own country. We're relying on the Saudis. Where, if anything, one of the big scandals of this administration, because here's what's going to happen, is at the end of it, they're going to say, see, just like Obama, Biden had no scandals. It was just scandal-free president. The only thing you could say is, oh, you know, he's getting up there in age. You know, there's no scandals. There's nothing happening. What's not now? Except for the fact that there's a lot of collusion happening with Saudi Arabia, but eh, we'll, we'll forget about all that. We'll forget about that for right now. But inflation, is is inflation an issue right now? Are we heading towards a recession? Are we in a recession? I believe we are. But they remember a couple of months ago, they said, no, 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 we're going to change the definition of inflation. Because inflation, or I mean recession, I should say, because a recession used to be two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. And we hit two. And we're like, no, 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 but that's not actually a recession, no. We're going to go ahead into quarter three, where we're going to have negative GDP growth. So is it a recession now? What is it? And what's going to be done with the inflation? Here's our wonderfully talented Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, who's an affirmative action hire because she's black, she's gay, I think she was an immigrant, and she checked all the boxes except for the fact that she's not qualified to do this job. Then on inflation, on inflation um, can you give us a timeline? You've laid out eloquently what the president's been doing. Is there a timeline for when Americans can start feeling some economic pain relief? So in regards to the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, early next year, they will see uh, some of the, um, uh, some of the uh, uh, pieces of that. When you th- think about an energy cost, when you think about um, uh, uh, the uh, Medicare kind of benefits from that. So we'll see uh, some movement on that early next year. But when we talk about inflation, gas prices, that's been something that the American people uh, have seen for the past several months, several weeks, and has, as cost has been coming down. Uh, and the hearing aids uh, that I just laid out, that's something that uh, once I have a clearer timeline we'll, that Americans are going to see that I'll share with you uh, on all of that. But more than on inflation, on inflation. Okay, so there is no timeline. She said early next year there's a possibility that prices might start going down. They're not going down. They're not going to. This is the, you want to talk about the new normal that we heard in 2020. This is the new normal. The new normal is your gas. You know, it's funny. I I was thinking about this when it comes to sports. I use sports examples a lot. When you see a a ticket stub from 50 years ago, like the first Super Bowl, and you see people getting into the first Super Bowl between the Chiefs and Packers, and someone paid like $3 to get in there. And you go, wow, $3, but it doesn't really seem all that long ago. And what happened? Is it the, the growth of the sport? Is it just the 
higher prices, uh, cost of living, whatever the case is, to the point where if you want to get into the Super Bowl, you're not paying you're not paying three figures for a ticket. You're paying at least four to get in now, depending, especially depending on where it's at, if it's Los Angeles or a bigger market. And you go, how did this happen? And will it ever go back down? It never does. It never has. Blink-182 just got back together uh, with their classic lineup with Mark, Tom, and Travis, and they're going out on tour. Oh, you want to go see them, millennials? You want to go for your uh, m- millennial nostalgia night because you remember life was so much better in 2002 and 2003. Uh, Yeah, enjoy going to see Blink-182 for $600 for nosebleeds. And they claim that Mark Hoppus is like, yeah, I'm not really happy about that. Then fucking do something about it then. Because, but that that's what it is. It's supply and demand. And there's a lot of demand for these tickets. So they're going to up the, oh, oh, well, we have the supplies. Gonna have to pay a pretty price for that supply, and yet still people are going to do that. That's what pisses me off about sports teams. When people start boycotting, they're like, "You know what? My team stinks. You're charging us five hundred dollars uh, to sit in the lower bowl for this game, and your team only wins two games a year." Then don't go. Don't go. Don't sell your tickets to somebody else. Don't buy tickets at all. That's how you send a message until prices go down. But it's it's not going to happen. They're not going down. So when KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre, says, yeah, we're going to see some relief because of the Inflation Reduction Act, which doesn't reduce inflation. It's going to happen maybe sometime next year. Oh, you mean after midterms and after we start getting, uh, things start getting put into place. Oh, okay. Even though Joe Biden is saying that if you vote for Republicans, inflation is going to get worse. Really? No, that's kind of funny. Funny how that works. But just more clown world. More clown world, more trying to convince us of what's going on, what's happening, uh, what's not happening in the country. And they also have to confuse everything because another part of clown world I've noticed in the last couple of years, actually, I'd say last 10 years now, is this the uptick in good guys versus the bad guys. And I, I blame it solely on video games and comic book movies. You know, when you're supposed to read comic books and watch comic book movies, when you're a child, when you're a ch- fucking child, you know why you read comic books? You know why you, you, you like Superman and Batman? is because you're a little kid in this big old world. You are a little kid. You do, Adults talk down to you. They stomp all over you, whatever. <clears throat> you, you go to school. You don't feel like you're respected by your peers and your teacher doesn't treat you right. <clears throat> So what do you do is you, you, you delve into comic books and you play video games and that's where you could be the big bad man and you can you could be the, the good guy who saves the world. You're the superhero. Well, when you grow up, you realize that you do have superpowers and it's called your brain, that you're able to do that. But we decided to get these kids on Adderall and Ritalin and set them in front of a TV for 25 years and then you wonder why society is what it is right now. So... When you look at the Russia-Ukraine war, all the people who have the Ukrainian flags in their profiles on Twitter and Instagram, they have no idea what's going on. In fact, I don't have any idea what's going on, and I don't think you do. I don't think anybody really knows outside of BlackRock, outside of uh, uh, you know Lockheed Martin, who know, really knows what's happening with this war, that's just this proxy war that seems pretty Hollywood-driven that's happening in Ukraine. But 
we have people that are raised to think that these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. So therefore, Zelensky, good guy. Putin, bad guy. Trump, good, bad guy. Um, you know, Biden, good guy. Everything is about good, good guys versus bad guys, good versus evil. So when you castigate all of your opponents as evil, it's not just... It's not just they're wrong. It's not that we disagree. It's they are evil people. This is where you have what you have in society. So here's Morning Joe, with uh, with his wife Mika Brzezinski, and they're talking to a guy named Anand Jirhadaradis. <laughs> just listen to this clip. This is classic. There is right now an anti-democracy side and a pro-democracy side in American life. It's very simple. It's not about party ID at this point. It is about whether you are for continued and expanded liberal democracy or not. And the, the pro-democracy side is hamstrung by a belief that simply doing the right thing and standing for the right thing in its imagination is self-explanatory that people will gravitate to you if you're doing the right thing on Ukraine or doing the right thing for inflation or doing the right thing in policy as you see it. And the argument of the persuaders is that in fact the pro-democracy side right now is not winning. And it's not just not winning because of rigging and big lies as Jonathan has covered and, and, and voter suppression and you know state election officials who, who toy with things. Although that is very real and very dangerous and serious. Yes. I don't think it's, if you look at these polls, you're just asking people on the street. It is a dead heat between God. democracy and fascism. And so I set out in the persuaders to ask why. I got Now, here, here's what he's saying. Democracy equals progressives. Fascism equals non-progressives. And it's not just conservatives. I'm talking about anybody who does not, according to this, I, I can't even pronounce his name. I can't spell it. I can't pronounce it. Uh, he's, but he's an Indian guy. That's fine. He said this isn't just politics. Yes, it is. You've made it political. You've said that the people are on this pro-democracy side, which they're not actually pro-democracy. Because when their guy loses, they're going to claim voter suppression. They're going to vote uh, blame Russia. They're going to blame hacked voting machines. So Stacey Abrams. It, it's so funny. You're allowed to question the 2016 election. You're allowed to question the 2018 midterm elections, especially in Georgia you're going to be allowed to question the 2022 election, but you cannot question the 2020. There's one election you're not allowed to criticize. The left spent four years claiming that Trump colluded with Putin, that the FISA documents, and you had Peter Strzok, and you had um, you know the, the Steele dossier, you had all of these other things, the collusion, all the, oh, Donald Trump, and you had Adam Schiff saying, we have indisputable proof that Donald Trump colluded with Russia to rig this election in 2016. And there were no consequences. There weren't any at the time. There still are no consequences. Yet if you even criticize one aspect of the 2020 election, you're getting shadow banned. You're getting banned off of YouTube. You're getting banned off of Twitter. Because that's the one election you're not allowed to criticize. So again, he's saying it's not political. But when they say pro-democracy, because they're all tired of January 6th, the, voter, the certifying right. So what he's saying is progressives versus non-progressives. So if you're a libertarian, if you're an independent, if you're a free thinker, if you're a conservative, whatever it is, you're on this side. You're a fascist. That's what they're calling you. 
They're calling you a fascist. If you if you do not believe in the progressive rites of passage, you are a fascist. Of despairing, watching this show and all the excellent coverage of this descent towards fascism and authoritarianism. And 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 why is this happening? And why are we relegated to despairing about it and i got tired of my own despair and decided to spend the last couple years reporting on people who are showing another way particularly organizers working on the ground in communities across this country outside the limelight activists political leaders scientists there's a cult deprogrammer in the book because as you have covered on this show we are there with millions of our fellow citizens and i tried to learn from them what the pro-democracy movement can do starting right now to beat back the authoritarian menace to save American democracy uh, and, and realize the future of nice things that we all deserve. So basically, if you are not on the pro-democracy side, which means if you're not a woke progressive, you are in a cult. You need to be deprogrammed to believe in the state. Now, I said this back in, what was it, February, when Joe Rogan was going through the whole thing. And this isn't my necessarily my take. I'm kind of siphoning from other people with this take if you ban joe rogan and you ban people like me that you if you're listening to me and you enjoy my content if i go away if joe rogan goes away if people who are kind of are very popular podcasters if uh what's his name uh russell brand he's been around he's non-woke if he goes away do the listeners and the the viewers and the fans of those podcasts go back to watching MSNBC, do they like, well, shit, my favorite podcast is gone because it got banned from the Apple store. I guess I'm going to have to watch Morning Joe. No, they're not going back anymore. That's the one white pill through all there. Even though I'm talking about a lot of black pills during this clown world podcast, there are some white pills, and the white pill is we're not going back to Morning Joe. We're not going back to Anderson Cooper. We're not going back to... Um, uh, what's his name? Shepard Smith, who's on CNBC now. We're not going back to Wolf Blitzer. We're going to find something else that's down this road. So that's what's great about it. Um, here's another thing where he's talking about QAnon, the same guy, which is just hilarious too. Because here's the one thing about QAnon. I don't know. I don't know anything about it, and I think most the vast majority of the people don't know about it. But they claim that. If your relative questions vaccine efficacy or questions uh, election integrity, that they must be some QAnon. I don't know how to access QAnon. I'm pretty skilled on the computer. I know a little bit of coding. I know I, I don't know how to get to QAnon. Where is it? I, I bet it's easier to... I'm, I'm using... Don't clip this out of context, but it's the uh, Doug Stanhope bit where he's talking about kitty porn and child pornography is that, where is it? I can't find it. They say rampant child pornography, but where is it? So it's kind of like, you. it's like, it's it's very rare to find QAnon. I, I've seen people talk, I've seen way more people come out against QAnon than actually anything Q related. It's amazing. The ideas at the heart of this book, I, I'll be honest, if, at the risk of being corny, I love America. I think America is a great country. And I think sometimes Democrats bury that message mm -hmm. in all the other things that are being said. And I think sometimes there is a failure on the political left to remind people that the reason we are having this whole revolt against the future, which is what I think this 
authoritarian uprising is. The reason we are having it is because of progress that has been made, that is being made. We've actually come incredibly far as a country. I don't, I can't think of any other great power or superpower in history that has chosen through democratic means to become a country forged of all the world, a country made of people from every other place. That's not happening in Europe. That India and China are not doing that. Germany and France are not doing that. You know what he's doing here, by the way, because he's talking about this is a great country. And we should be proud of the progress and where we are. That's where it should. That's where I think all of us would agree. We are proud. This isn't the Jim Crow South anymore. This is a much different country where we were 60, 70 years ago right now. Uh, that when it comes to progress in a lot of things, we should be proud of that. The, the difference is the progressives say not good enough. Instead of appreciating that we all have differences, we all come from different backgrounds and cultures, is that the progressives are the ones who say not good enough, not radical enough. We need to upend all of these societal norms that have been around and kind of baked into our culture and our society for such a long time, we need to upend them. So you, we need to trans the kids. We need to do this, this, and this, and this. Instead, it's now we've got to castigate our opponents as evil. Doing this in a way that is actually remarkable, and we are falling on our face right now as a country, for sure, as we cover on the show. Because we are jumping high, we are attempting to build a kind of country that is incredibly hard to build. And I think we need to tell that story. And once you tell that story, you inspire people, you convey your patriotism, you speak in the language of freedom and, and patriotism that regular people resonate with. And then you can explain what Tucker Carlson is trying to do and what Donald Trump is trying to do. And oh, here, here's the change, because up until that point, I think all of us can agree we should tell these stories about how you came from lower income place and became a, a multimillionaire. It, whatever your story is. And then here he comes by saying that, but if you, you know, but if you're one of those people, we need to fight against that. Why? And, and why they would rather break our inheritance rather than share it. And I think it is incredibly important for party leaders to do this, movement leaders to do this, but I think it's incredibly important for those of you at home who have QAnon relatives, as so many people watching this will, who have climate denier uncles or election denier uh, uncles, to, to have better conversations in our communities with respect, with humility, without, without ceding ground. I think it's important to, uh, the truth is the truth. Uh, but to defend the idea of America and not concede the idea of America to people who would destroy this country. In no, 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 no. See, here's, here's what's happening, is that he's right on a lot of things about that, but he's framing it as, if you're somebody who is talking about, uh, uh, if you're a teacher, for example, <clears throat> and you're trans and you, you, you have they, them pronouns and this and that, and you're, you're pressing this on the kids, that's the good part about America. Remember Nancy Pelosi was on RuPaul's drag show over the summer and said, this is what's great about this country. Really? Men dressed up as women is the great part? That This is, this is what our soldiers died for. This is all, all of the wars from, you know, from the 1400s that we have participated in as, a, as this country from its infancy all the way till now. We fought so... Gay men can dress as women on a gay TV network, but the, but 
this guy castigating, this is why we need to convey this message and have a civil conversation. That's another thing I agree. They don't want a civil conversation. It, there's a difference between tolerance and acceptance is that I can tolerate drag queens. I can tolerate black Hebrew Israelites who scream in your face. It's the acceptance part and the forced acceptance. Well, if you don't do this, then you're a ist and you're a phobe and you're this, this, and this. That's what, that's what happens. It's we need to start lecturing. We need to lecture you. We need to lecture you to tell you that you're wrong. We're the good people in this country, not you. Now, I'm not doing this podcast saying I'm a, a great American. I'm not Sean Hannity. I'm not one of these, you're a great American. You're a great... No, 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 I don't do that. But I, I, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit back here and think that a lot of this is normal and that I should, that everybody should just accept it blindly. But that's what they're kind of banking on right now. Um, speaking of, uh, you could probably find this video, but uh, there's uh, the, the last thing when you, because here's the thing is when you talk about in the politics of all of this, is it's, it's about policy. So is Joe Biden really helping inflation? No, he's not. Is he helping the gas? No. Is he helping any? No. None of these politicians are doing that. And in, so Benny Johnson there's a video that's going around. I'm not going to play because he's it's he's kind of quiet in the video and it's more of a visual to see. But he flew into Los Angeles and he drove through the streets of L.A. And the amount of homeless encampments that have popped up there. And we've heard about Skid Row for decades right now. But Skid Row is n n basically every corner of downtown Los Angeles and it's getting worse. Last time I was in L.A. was <clears throat> was the day the world shut down, March 11th of 2020, and it I was going to I was going to a concert at a place called the Terragram Ballroom, which was a great great venue, excellent excellent music venue. I saw Soul Asylum, and I went to a an L.A. Kings game at the Staples Center, which is right around the corner, right off of uh, Figueroa, I believe, and I. It was it was so weird because I've been to L.A. before, and the one thing about Los Angeles, same with New York, and same with, I think, every big city, is when you go to a different city, you usually go to the tourist trap first. If you've never been there, or if you haven't been there in a long time, what do you do when you go to New York? You go to Times Square. Well, especially during the Giuliani and the Bloomberg days, Times Square may as well have been Disney World, may as well have been the Magic Kingdom. Streets seem pretty clean, the crime wasn't as bad. Yeah, there was a couple of Elmos, Elmos and Cookie Monsters that were, that were getting a little touchy-feely and harassing you for money, but yeah, you had the naked cowboy playing, and everything was fine. It, it really got pretty bad, but it, it's still Times Square. So you think of when you go to your big city, you kind of forget about the entire city, and you only focus on a couple of streets. I see that up the road from me in Cleveland. Cleveland has what's called East the East 4th District, and it's a street that's, it's Brick Street, or Cobblestone, and there's comedy club, there's a bunch of bars and really nice restaurants, and it's like, yeah, let's go to East 4th, absolutely. It's one street. There's hundreds of streets that are just absolute dog shit, but we're just going to forget about those and just focus on the one. So you think about that with LA. Now, the difference with Los Angeles People don't go to downtown L.A. unless they're going to a sporting event 
or they have a job down there and they leave and they go back to the suburbs. People don't live, they don't dwell unless you're homeless in Los Angeles, in downtown. They go out to Beverly Hills, they go to West Hollywood, they go to uh, Santa Monica or they go out towards the desert, Pasadena. They're not staying in downtown LA. You know who is? The homeless. I saw that I was driving by MacArthur Park a couple of years ago. And every, every overpass has multiple encampments of homeless. And it's just, it's sad. So I'm looking at this Benny Johnson video. You can look it up on your own. It's on his Twitter account. And this, this sadness and despair. And at some point, you just have to go, why is this happening? There are several, there, there, there's millions of jobs right now available. Why don't you get a job? What a loser. Why don't you get a goddamn job? <laughs> Patrick Bateman. But there's jobs out there. This is clearly mental illness. You can get a job. Yeah, it's not the greatest job. Yeah, you might be on a fryer later. Yeah, you might have a broom or a mop. But it's a job. You're making money. And then you can make a couple of bucks. You bank on a little bit. And then you're able to maybe get a car or your own apartment. But these people don't want that. Because it's a mental illness. So what are we doing in this? We claim to care about mental health. Today's Mental Health Awareness Day. So, okay, so drive around the millions of homeless people, ten, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of homeless in Los Angeles alone. And what are we doing about it? Nothing. Because it's, it's about policy. It's about who's on the till. It's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's sad, it's depressing, and it's embarrassing that this is going on in our country right now. Let's move on in uh, Clown World. Let's see, where am I at? That's going to be a long podcast. That's okay. Hope you don't mind a nice long one today. I usually do about an hour. This one might be an hour 15, hour 20. Hope you don't mind. So let's go to COVID in Clown World. We kind of saw the mask ripped off, literally and figuratively, in the last couple of years because of the COVID Clown World nonsense. So Mark Kelly who's running for Senate in Arizona. Mark Kelly, who I believe is, I believe is the husband of Gabby Giffords, who was shot at the rally back in 2009, I think it was. So Mark Kelly is a Democrat, who was the astronaut. He's essentially Joe Biden, but with stricter gun laws. I think that's what uh, Dave Smith said once. So at a Mark Kelly rally, you want to go see Mark Kelly? He's uh, going to be in a town near you in Arizona. Um... It says, uh, we are asking attendees to voluntarily disclose their vaccination status at the door. Those who are vaccinated are asked to bring proof of vaccination, either a vaccination card or a photo of a vaccination card when checking in at the event. We are asking that people who don't disclose their status over the age of two wear a mask both indoors and outdoors. Mark Kelly for Senate will only use vaccination information with the purpose of determining safety protocols for in-person campaign events and compliance with the applicable state, local, or federal relations related to such events. So, Mark Kelly, so this whole event, you have to show your vaccination status. It's October of 2022, and we're still doing this. We're still going on with Make sure you show proof of it. This lid has been blown off of it. Completely blown off the COVID nonsense. And we're, we're still doing this. Can you believe that? You have to wear a mask or show proof. This is, we're done here. We are done. 
if you're still afraid of COVID, that's a you problem. I've had COVID. You listening have probably had COVID. And if you're listening, you probably had COVID for maybe a week, a couple of days. Maybe you lost your sense of smell. Maybe you were asymptomatic. Who knows? We're done here. Maybe you got vaccinated. Maybe you didn't get vaccinated. But it's coming out that the vaccines didn't really do anything. In fact, last week, I talked about it on, the, on this podcast, a Pfizer executive said they weren't even testing <laughs> to see if it would stop transmission. Uh, can you believe that? They, they, it wasn't even being tested. But they lied to you. They lied to you last year about what was going on. I, I have to play this video. This is classic. I, I'm, I'm pulling it up because I wasn't going to get to this video, but I'm uh, I'm going to. Um, let's see, where is it? I know somebody had posted. Oh, yeah, here it is. Just listen to this. Stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. Rachel Maddow, of course. The vaccines will get us to the end of this. Essentially, vaccines block you from getting and giving um, the virus. Fully vaccinated people are at a very, very low risk of getting COVID-19. Therefore, if you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. We have all the vaccines we need. We just need our people to take it. A, for their own protection, for the protection of their family, but also to break the chain of transmission. You want to be a dead end to the virus. So when the virus gets to you, you stop it. You don't allow it to use you as the stepping stone to the next person. I think given the country as a whole, the fact that we have now about 50% of adults fully vaccinated and about 62% of adults having received at least one dose as a nation, I I'm, I feel fairly certain you're not gonna see the kind of surges mm -hmm. we've seen in the past. If you're vaccinated, you're not gonna be hospitalized. You're not gonna be in an ICU unit and you're not going to die. You're okay. You're not going to, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. July 21st, 2021. That was Joe Biden right there. Of course, Dr. Fauci before that and Rachel Maddow. And the lid's been blown off because in that time from July 21st, 2021, where if you heard people were getting COVID, it was because they were naughty, naughty people going to gatherings, and they were doing things they shouldn't be doing. And then eventually those vaccinated people all got sick. And the here's the template. It's, it's the uh, Bart Simpson, say the line, Bart. And it's like, I've, I have tested positive for COVID-19. I am fully vaccinated and boosted. And I thank goodness that Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson & Johnson had their vaccines ready or else it could have been so much worse. It's the, it's the same template. There's, there, it's, it seems like there's hundreds of them at this point of people who push these vaccinations. That, and, and what they did is they sold a bill of goods to people saying that if you get vaccinated, you're not going to get COVID. And you think about where we were nearly two years ago. I'm going to say, let's say 20 months ago. So let's say at the right around when Joe Biden took office in January of 2021. 
the vaccines were starting to get really rolled out. People were getting uh, medical professionals and important people apparently got vaccinated in December of 2020. But by the time uh, by the time you got to where a lot of people were getting their um, vaccines, what they sold it on, this is the step to get us back to normal. If you get this shot in your arm, you are not going to get COVID. And if someone around you has it, you're not going to get it. And you can't transmit it. You, you, you can't pass it along to, your, to your, your dad or your grandma who's in the hospital or your kids or whatever the case. It's not going to happen. So people were kind of, in a way, held figuratively, not literally, but figuratively at gunpoint to go get these for many reasons that either they're going to lose their job or they want to see their mom in the hospital or the nursing home or whatever the case. And they say, look, I have older relatives or, hey, my wife is forcing me to go get this or, hey, if I don't do this, I'm going to get fired from my job and I can't apply for a medical exemption, whatever the case. But a lot of people ended up going to get these vaccinations because I don't want to get sick, and if this means we get back to normal, then so be it. Let's all go out and get vaccinated. Well, guess what? All those people got COVID anyways. So I got COVID, not vaccinated. But I know a lot of people who were vaccinated, who got COVID. I, I had it for two days. Two days. Yeah, it didn't feel well. Scratchy throat stuffy nose. I sat outside for two days because it was in early September, maybe late August of 21. And I sat in the sun, kind of walked around a little bit and it was done in a couple of days. But I know vaccinated people who were down for the count for a week, maybe two weeks because of that. It's unbelievable. That's part of the clown world. You got a vaccine that didn't last, that didn't work. Good job, clown world. Good job, people. We're able to do that. Uh, but you know what? Here's what we have to do is that uh, COVID is still a threat out there, according to Raphael Warnock, who's going up against Herschel Walker in that uh, Senate race down in Georgia. More, more clown shows and clown world. You say the economy is a top issue for them. Democrats have been in control of the White House, of Congress for the past two years. Inflation has soared. Why should Georgia voters give you another chance? We are still in the throes of a pandemic that dragged on for more than two years. We're still in the throes of a pandemic that dragged on for two years. So this is the new 9-11. This is what happened after 9-11 is that we need to keep these security measures. We need to keep TSA. We need to keep the Patriot Act. We need to do all this because you know what? 9-11. It was a whole bit on Family Guy. Was every answer to a question in a town hall was 9-11. And that's what COVID is now. Well, you know, COVID. Well, because COVID. First of all, it wasn't just COVID. It was the response to COVID. And second of all, you can't keep using that as an excuse for your own failed policies. If you were advocating for society to be shut down over what's essentially a scratchy throat and the sniffles for a couple of days, and your policies were to shut society down, there's going to be consequences people need to pay. And your shitty policies are why we're in this. And your response to it. And now you're going to say, well, you know, because of COVID. 
oh, okay, so we should keep you in office. We should reelect you because of COVID. That you had all these grandiose plans of what you wanted to do, but it got interrupted by COVID. No, it wasn't COVID. It was your policies because of your irrational response to this virus. That's what it was about. But luckily, not just in Georgia, but California, Gavin Newsom says he will end the state of emergency on COVID and the COVID measures at the end of February 2023. <laughs> three years. Three years. And who knows? He might extend those. There, there might be a new variant that pops up. You know, a new strain of COVID. Oh, wait, they're testing that too. Good job, clown world. Honk, honk. Boston University researchers claim to have developed a new, more lethal strain of COVID <laughs> in a lab. Researchers say they've developed the strain that has an 80% kill rate. Oh my God. Really? Why? Trust the science, though. Trust the, trust the science. Trust the science. Good job. Why are we doing this? A lethal, so an 80% kill rate. Do you know what that means? Do you, do you know what the kill rate for COVID was? It was 1%. If that, it's probably less than 1%. An 80%. So that means if I have five listeners listening, four of you are going to die. <laughs> Why? Why? Good job, clown world. We're making, we feel like we're just at the end of this. It's almost like it's called the midterm variant. Or maybe they're just getting it ready for the 2024 election so we can keep Joe Biden in place. But that's okay. Go out and get your vaccines. You need to get updated on your boosters. Oh, and by the way, the CDC this week, as I look at this picture of Joe Biden wearing two masks here, the CDC will vote Thursday to permanently shield Pfizer and Moderna from COVID vaccine injury liability. As Jordan Schachtel says, this is the final step in a two-year process. In the meantime, Pfizer and Moderna raked in hundreds of billions in taxpayer money. They've been careful not to allow any FDA-approved vaccines onto the market, waiting for this moment to occur so they can deliver shots liability-free. Surely Pfizer and Moderna committed fraud, but which federal or state prosecutors would bring such a case against them? Unfortunately, most... Uh, uh, Almost all U.S. politicians and federal and state and uh, public health agencies were complicit in the fraud and deceptive marketing. Good job. So, oh, you're the Canadian actress who got Bell's palsy because your booster had an adverse effect. But I got the vaccine. I'm boosted, but it gave me Bell's palsy. But I thank goodness for my vaccine. Thank you, Pfizer. Oh, good job. Good job, friends. Good job, clown world. <sighs> Unreal. Unreal. Where am I at here? All right. I'll, I'll do a couple of more because I thought this was kind of funny. Um, oh, shoot. Where'd it go? Did I get rid of it? Oh, so apparently there's a new... There is a new uh, thing called uh, light supremacy. So remember, you heard this term called white supremacy, and you got to emphasize the H in white supremacy. 
is that it's, uh, you know, because white people feel that they are superior to other races. There's, it's really not true. Um, sure, there's white supremacists out there, but it's not this, uh, the amount of fascists that MSNBC contributors are going to say that are out there. If you again, all of this is because you don't agree with the regime, so therefore you're labeled a QAnon, white supremacist, transphobe, this and that. Well, now there's a form of light supremacy, and they're talking about L I T E, and they're talking about the Hispanics who are coming to the country or who are in the country. You're like, yeah, this great replacement theory that you've been talking about for a few years that now you claim is a conspiracy theory, even though you were openly talking about it, anyone from Anderson Cooper, who is giddy on television discussing it, to Chuck Schumer about how the, about the browning of America, that, oh, it's because Tucker Carlson mentions it, it's racist. No, 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 you've been talking about the browning of America because it's to, to divide the vote. But as uh, Roy Teixeira has pointed out, they were kind of banking on Hispanics, Blacks, and any other marginalized minority group was going to vote Democrat. Well, some Hispanics, and actually a lot of Hispanics, especially ones from Cuba, are coming to the country and going, yeah, no, uh, we left communism. We left socialism. We wanted to come here because we've heard about capitalism. We've heard about the, the free ways of life in America. And yet you want to press this back on us? Fuck no. We're going to vote, we're going to vote for the non-communists right now. It's amazing. So Charles Blow is talking about the light supremacy. So you don't even have to be white or white to participate in white supremacy. Remember they were saying that, they, they've been saying that for a while, whether it's Clarence Thomas or um, Larry Elder, he's the black face of white supremacy. Or that, that's what they say is the, the black, you're, you're white adjacent. So if you're, if you're Asian... Asians can only be a minority group if they're being persecuted by white people. But if black people, it's like, now they're just white. Or if their test scores are too high, we need to start suppressing them in order to get into Ivy League schools. Then they're white, and uh, now it's okay to be racist against Asians. But, but if Trump says China virus, then we need to hashtag stop Asian hate. <sighs> There's that. What can Wakanda teach us, by the way? There's a new Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Which I prefer when, uh, do you remember Ruth Conda? It was one of those blue check marks on Twitter said that a couple of years ago where it said like, I had to go up to my daughter. And I, wait, I, I have to find that. It was, this was hilarious. I have to find that tweet. It, it's, it's the worst tweet. It, it might be the greatest or worst tweet. A Alexandra Lee Caps. Of course, she's uh, hyphenated and probably has she, her, and her pronouns in her bio. Just told my 10-year-old about hashtag RBG. This is right after she died. She had tears in her eyes, and then she did the Wakanda pose and said, Ruth Conda forever, which is the sort of pop culture crossover that I can celebrate. <laughs> People are fucking stupid. Oh, my God. Ruth Conda. It, it may be the greatest and worst. It's kind of like Roadhouse. Is Roadhouse the best awful movie or the worst greatest movie? Or is Nicolas Cage the greatest terrible actor or is he the worst best actor? I can never understand. It's always one of those that's like right on that cusp. I can't tell if that's the worst or the greatest tweet I've ever seen on Twitter. 
Ruth Conda Forever. Greatest crossover. Ugh. But Chris Saliza from, uh, I think he's still with CNN. Why Wakanda might be a model for our future cities. It's a fictional. And they've done this, by the way, about Hogwarts. Because again, this is what happens. This is getting way back to the beginning of this podcast when you talk about the culture wars in schools. My generation, the millennials, were raised on Harry Potter. That's why you see these lonely 36-year-old women who talk about Harry Potter and are so disappointed that J.K. Rowling turned out to be a transphobe. How about don't don't read children's books anymore? Don't let children's book authors dictate how you align with your politics, you morons. This is from the Pacific. What Hogwarts can teach us about the future of education. <laughs> Wakanda. What can Wakanda teach us? Wakanda is a fictional movie, just as Superman. Oh, Superman is the man of steel that uh, he, no matter what, you could uh, shoot a gun at him and bullets just fly off him. Yeah, that's nice. Superman is a fictional character. He is a drawing. He can lift as much as he wants. He is a drunk. He can't lift anything. No. But that's what we have to do is that when you talk about the culture wars, this is why movies like Bros have bombed at the box office. This is why. Because people don't really want this fed into them. They want it, They want to go to a comedy, a sitcom, or a, a, a rom-com, or any kind of comedy or anything to be entertained. They're not being entertained. So Variety has come out with a list of 27 great movies. They, they, here's what they say. There are 27 great movies, but they just flopped at the box office. Now, it's not because of quality. This is what they say. The box office may gauge a movie's initial commercial appeal, but it's never the last word on a film's quality. Here are 27 great movies that flopped at the box office. And they start going through some of these that I've never even heard of most of these. I've heard of Suicide Squad. Don't care about it because, again, DC comic book movie sucks. Don't care. Um, and it just goes through this whole list. And there's probably a couple of good movies on there, I'm, I'm assuming. But they had to include bros on this. It really is if Billy Eichner and Universal are trying to make up for this. They spent, I think it was 20, it's either 20 million to make that movie and $35 million to promote it, or it's vice versa. One of those figures might be flip-flop, but essentially it took $55 million to make and promote that movie and got nothing at the box office because people don't want to see a rom-com. First of all, they don't want to see a rom-com anymore. And second of all, a rom-com with gays who are certainly not monogamous and they're talking about... Rim there, there, there apparently was a rim job scene they had to get cut from the movie because it didn't test well in the audience. I'm surprised Billy Eichner didn't call everybody homophobic weirdos because they didn't want to see somebody getting rimmed. Ugh, Christ. But why... So you're going to tell me because Bros, which just came out two weeks ago, is already one of the great movies that is on this list just because it flopped at the box office. And that's Clown World. Nobody wants to see this movie, but it's your fault. It's kind of like a co comedian who goes on stage and just says... Well, my, my material was great. It was the audience that sucked. Yeah, there's sometimes an audience is not going to be that great. 
you got to kind of get it out of them a little bit. You got to warm them up. You got to figure it out. Trust me, I've been in front of comedy audiences that I've either had to warm up and they like me by the end of the set, or they're just not going to be warm because they don't really care for what I have to say or my material. Okay, then I just got to try harder next show. I got to do what I, I got to do a better job then. Um, I can't just sit there and blame the audience the whole time. I can't blame other factors. But that's what this list is doing is, see, this is a great movie, but you're too stupid to realize how great this movie is. But that's all part of Clown World. What's, what's bad is actually good. What's up is down. What's down is up. What's dark is light. What's light is dark. Everything's upside down. Everything is not what it should be. And what do you... How do you fight against that? How do you fight against forces that feel that, uh, you know, what what you've been raised on is wrong and we need to change all of it and completely upend all those norms that I had mentioned? So as I wrap up the podcast right now, what have we learned today? What have we learned? Schools are battlegrounds in the culture war? Yeah, that's a white pill. Yeah, they should be. Because there should be school choice. There should be school uh, homeschooling and charter schools. There should be parents have a lot more say in what their kids are learning or even not learning and not tell them, hey, by the way, keep this a secret between the teacher and the kids and uh, don't tell your parents that we're uh, teaching the kids about how to give a proper blowjob in, in, in these books. Oh, Tony, that, what are you talking about? That's not happening. That's, that's just like the litter box thing. Nah, it is happening. And a lot of parents are starting to speak up about it and say, this is in our kid's library, and this is actually required reading. And here's a graphic photo uh, or a graphic cartoon of a guy giving another guy a blowjob. And our kids are supposed to look at that and go, oh, that's nice. That's cool. Isn't that wonderful? But, no, we have to just continue this. Yeah, make sure you take your kids and confuse them and say that you're, you're... female teacher who's biological female is now a male but the the man is pregnant so for centuries we figured that women are the ones who get pregnant that the only males who get pregnant were sea seahorses that was the only thing we always remember that male seahorses can give birth but outside of that no it's women that give birth nope gotta change that gosh how transphobic were my teachers to say that only women can give birth? How transphobic were they in uh, my 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 uh, the sex ed class that I first had in fifth grade in like 1998? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but you know what? Joe Biden's doing a great job for the economy, even though gas prices are spiking and you can't afford food and you can't afford your bills and you know, you can, you have to cancel vacations because you have to pay your electric bill or uh, to keep keep the heat on for the winter time. That's okay. He's doing such a great job because that's what Clown World is. Clown World is, is it's okay. And then, um, you know, anyone who disagrees with you is a fascist, of course, because in Clown World, your enemies, uh, your neighbor is your enemy. Oh, your neighbor had a Trump sign in the lawn? Well, <laughs> they're a fascist, clearly. And especially with COVID. Oh, you... You you aren't updated on your vaccine status? Well, then you can't come to Thanksgiving with us this year. No. Mm-mm. And all, on your your bills, it's because of COVID. It's, it's not because of bad policy. It's because of COVID. That's all it is. 
and oh, by the way, uh, you remember when you got really, really sick and uh, there was you've been reading about kids that are just dropping dead or having a huge uptick in myocarditis? Well, there should be some accountability for that. <coughs> nope, nope, shielded from injury liability, the vaccine makers. So good job. By the way, you can't even find Johnson & Johnson shots anywhere. You notice that. I actually looked at this a couple of weeks, about a month ago, just as a cursory look. I'm like, the Johnson, remember the one shot you get the Johnson & Johnson? Oh, you know, you know, that was the new, instead of talking about the weather or the, the game last night or if everybody watched Game of Thrones, it was, oh, well, you know, I got the vaccine. Oh, really, what'd you get? Uh, and that became the small talk in 2021. Well, I got the Pfizer, you know. What about you? Well, I got the I got the Moderna. I heard good things about the Moderna. What about you? Look, I just wanted to get it out of the way, just the one shot J&J. Well, you notice, you can't find the J&J anywhere. Weirdly enough. Isn't that weird? Isn't that funny? No J&J. &J. Huh. But but everything else? Yeah. Huh. But that's okay. If you have any problems, uh, there will be no accountability. There's no accountability for Fauci and Walensky and Joe Biden and everybody else who pushed this clown world on you. There will be. Unless you decide to vote them out of office and you make a big stink about it and don't care that you're going to be called a turf or a transphobe or... Uh, you know, uh, uh, what an able, what an ableist, because you rip on John Fetterman or Joe Biden or anybody like that. You, you, you just got to not be afraid. I, but there is also a balance because people don't want to speak out because if you say something, they're going to say, your employee, tweet at your bosses or your company and say, we'll boycott this and this because your company, your employee said that John Fetterman is not fit for office. That's, in my opinion, an ableist take and uh, you should uh, put discipline or we will boycott your company, this, this, and this. I understand there's a line that we all have to go through, but I think integrity, I mean, even if you do lose your job, there, you have to stand up for yourself when it comes to integrity. I lost my job over integrity, too. It's going to happen. It sucks. You have to go home and say, yeah, uh, yeah, I got fired today. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. But, you know, at the end of the day, I can go to sleep at night understanding that I did something that I, I went against the grain and I could actually sleep better about myself instead of compromising who I am. So I hope more people start to learn that. I think more people are learning that. And this is a cultural battle. Clown world is a cult. It's not just politics. It's a cultural battle. Politics is, they always, is, Andrew Breitbart famously said, politics is downstream from culture. But technology, I think, is upstream from culture. So you need to fight the technology. You need to, to fight that first, the TikToks of the world, and the Snapchats, and the Instagrams, and then that, tr and, and big tech, and the big tech censorship. You fight that as well as fighting the battle in the culture, then that affects the politics down the road. Just my, just how I view things. Who knows if that'll work. But I kind of think in my white pill is I think this is a country and a society worth saving. But how do we do it? How do we get there? Well, these are the cultural battles that we need to fight. And I hope you're willing to fight. Otherwise, well, maybe your teacher... Maybe your kid's teacher is gonna uh, gonna leave from pregnancy and say that he's pregnant, and that we have to change the language and confuse more kids so that when they grow up they can't write their own name, but by God they know what pronoun they are on this particular day. But it's gonna change tomorrow. That's okay. 
All right, I'm wrapping up this podcast right now. Thank you for listening, and I hope you do if you enjoyed this podcast and you are not subscribed on Patreon. It's just five bucks a month at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur, T-O-N-Y. M-A-Z-U-R. I have guests, early access to guests, and I have more podcasts like this. And I don't always talk about culture and politics. I'll talk sports too. I'll answer questions. I'll do AMAs. I'm thinking of doing a monthly Zoom with some of my patrons if they're interested in that. So let me know what you think. I'd love your feedback. Thank you for listening to the Check Your Brain podcast. And uh, I will talk to you fine folks throughout this fine week and into next week. And again, I hope you can stick around. I hope you like it. And please, Tell five friends, tell ten friends, or just share it on your page. Thank you, and uh, have yourselves a wonderful week.